Well, we are in week three of our, of our series called Abiding Through Emotions. Some humans are more emotional than others, but one thing is certain. We are all slightly messed up, and we all need some direction at times. And this series is, is very specific because myself and our pastors, we, we listen, we pay attention and we have identified, or I have identified specifically, four different areas that, that I think need some attention in our lives. And we've been talking about those, fear, anxiety, today is distrust, and next week is apathy. And I think that, that those are the four that seem to, to rise to the surface for me. As I have conversations, as I listen to our staff, as we have conversations about what it is our body is dealing with, those four seem to, to be the, the four main emotions. And, but we understand that there are several other emotions that you may find yourself struggling with today that we haven't talked about. And I understand that there are a lot of things that we process. So I want to encourage you to allow this series to be a springboard for you to identify what you struggle with and then be equipped through His Word as God gives us instructions on how to deal with the things that we, we process. So far in this series, we've covered fear and anxiety, that fear's presence doesn't have to mean fear's control. That when we find ourselves navigating fear, and, and we can and we should trust the Lord, and we should strive to stay committed to Him through those seasons. We studied Elijah in that first part, where Elijah was was running in fear from Jezebel, asking God to take his life. When God shows up on the scene and he, he gets to work on Elijah's heart and his soul and his mind. God reminds him that he still has a purpose for his life. He still has a plan for the people of Israel. And that he is going to see him through to the other side. That he still had a plan for Elijah's life. And Elijah gets back to work. He, he moves through processing that fear. And he follows Yahweh. Last week we talked about the emotion of anxiety. Now this seems to be one of the most talked about uh, emotions in our culture. And it really does affect so many of us in the room. I heard about some wonderful conversations that took place this past week in our adult small groups. And I'm hoping that this week will prove to be another week where you can, you can talk and enjoy processing this. But Jesus addressed the issue of anxiety himself in Matthew chapter 6, and we learned that anxiety reveals where our trust remains. That the way we deal with troubles in this life, they really serve to show how, how we really view God. Can God be trusted? Is his character really good? That when it's all said and done, that's what all of these emotions force each and every one of us to consider. It's really an issue of trust. Can we trust God with everything? Can you trust God right now in this moment with every single detail of your life? And today we're going to talk about the negative emotion of distrust. Because of the role that I have at West Hill, I know for a fact that many of you are sitting here today and listening online and you have trust issues. In many ways, I'm right there with you. I have some trust issues in my own heart and mind. And so many people have been hurt in their past. You, you've experienced abuse. You've experienced some type of tragedy. 
or you felt a kind of, of deep betrayal that you don't know that you're ever going to really bounce back from. Maybe, you have, maybe you've heard things like God is a, he's a good father, but you just can't trust that because the relationship with your own earthly father was terrible. Or maybe you have no frame of reference for a good dad in your mind because you simply never really had one. Maybe you've heard that God is good, but he definitely seemed anything but good as you watched your loved one wither away from cancer. Maybe you heard that God is faithful, but your spouse has been unfaithful to you. Maybe you've seen verses about God being a good friend, a friend that sticks closer than a brother, a friend that you can trust, but the friend that you trusted the most stabs you in the back, and you just don't know how you can ever feel safe with anyone again, and that includes God. These are all real, raw, honest feelings that I've had, and that if you're honest with me, you've had as well. And so if you have your place in Proverbs 3, I want to look at some very well-known verses, and as I mentioned earlier, there's been millions of sermons preached on this text. I memorized this section of scripture when I was a young child, and I quote it all the time. But Solomon writes in Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 7, he says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And usually people stop there, but I'm going to read one more verse. He says, be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. There are times in our lives where we find ourselves unable to trust. That could be an inability to trust God or to trust others, and it's possible that distrust actually describes most of your life because of that past abuse or, or something that I mentioned or pain earlier. It could be a more recent development, though. Because of a circumstance that you've experienced. And like other negative emotions, distrust can appear in varying degrees at various times and in various settings. Distrust, it can make it hard to relax and appreciate and enjoy the time that we have with people who do genuinely love us or who need us. And it often goes so deep as to make us unsure of our trust in God. And that's the specific direction that I want to go this morning. The grave problem that arises when difficult circumstances and deep hurt causes us to distrust others, and even more importantly, to distrust God. And that's where I want to spend most of our time today. So I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question that, that you already know the answer to, or you should already know the answer to, but I want you, I want you to have to answer it out loud in your head. And that question is this, is it easier to trust God when things are good or when things are bad? Is it easier to trust God when things are good or when they're bad? When people treat you well or when they hurt you? When we are financially secure or when we're in dire need? When we're healthy or when we get a bad report from a doctor? Like I said, we all know the answer, or what the right answer to that question truly is. Of course, we should always trust God, but is that usually what we do? 
Why is it so hard to trust him when things are bad? Because trust can be tough. What does it look like? How do we actually trust him when things are not good? When you can't see the relationship restored? When the job doesn't work out? When you can't understand why this is happening to you? And thankfully, we have a reliable, trustworthy resource that we can consult when we need direction. The most secure place for a child of God is to run to his word in difficult times. That his word is a secure foundation. It's a place that we can firmly plant our feet. And when we need direction on how to navigate a heart that can, it seems to not be able to trust, that's exactly where we need to go. There are so many characters from our Bibles who, who had trust issues. Abraham and Sarah didn't trust that God was going to give them the son that he promised. And if you know the story, they took matters into their own hands and it, and it made things worse. Gideon didn't trust God's plan. So he asked for multiple signs to convince him to do what he had been asked to do. Jonah, we know how that worked out, but he didn't trust God that he would take care of him while he was taking the message of hope to the people of Nineveh. What about Zechariah, who didn't trust God's promise of a child, that it could be fulfilled in he and Elizabeth's old age, and he lost his voice temporarily as a result of that lack of trust. And of course, many of us are familiar with Adam and Eve, which is, which is good because that's where this whole trust thing kind of fell off the wagon. And so I want you to hold your place in Proverbs because we're going to come back to that. But I want us to read another very familiar section of Scripture together in Genesis chapter 3. And there in Genesis 3, we see that Eve encounters the serpent who plants very specific seeds of doubt in her mind. That she didn't, she didn't even have a sin nature yet. And it was enough to convince her that God was holding out on them, that maybe... His character couldn't really be trusted. So if you're there in Genesis 3, we're going to read verses 1 through 6. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you should not eat of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired, was to, be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. So Satan convinces Eve, ultimately, that she couldn't trust. God. Not his wisdom, not his plan, and not even his character. So he plants that seed of doubt, and we've all experienced that. Satan wanted Eve to believe that God was this, this selfish, rule-making, stingy, no-fun kind of God. And I honestly don't know how the enemy succeeded in this, because there was no history of anyone let alone their creator and friend who walked with them daily in that beautiful garden. There was no history of them ever having been hurt 
ever experiencing betrayal, never having been made a fool of. This, is, this had never happened for them. But tragically, what we do see is that Satan successfully persuaded Eve to go against God's command, to not eat of that tree of knowledge of good and evil. And this whole scene from Genesis can be boiled down to one word, in my opinion. That one word of trust. They didn't trust that what he had given them was good enough that it was right for them. That there was something better out there. And so they do what we often do, and they take things into their own control. They, they do what they want to do. We're all guilty of this. I know I am, of at least trying to do this periodically. And too often we simply don't believe that God can be trusted with the details of our lives. We're simply not sure if we can trust that he is good. When we surrender ourselves to these negative emotions that we have, like fear and like anxiety, we find ourselves living under the weight and the ramifications of them. And like I said before, I don't have to convince you that it's true that bad things do happen in our lives. We can find ourselves struggling to because, or struggling to trust because, well, those bad things have not just happened to people, but they've happened to us. They've happened to me. And this can cause us to, to process things like being cynical, being jaded, being bitter. And if that's you, I understand. I would only ask you this morning to consider opening up your heart and your mind to the one who has proven over and over and over again that he loves you and that he can absolutely be trusted. His word assures us of that truth, and when we take the time to read his word and we reflect back on how good he actually has been to us, we can have a change of heart. We can learn to trust him. Now, there is some positive news for you today. We don't have to live life with trust issues. We can develop deeper trust in God each and every day. I want you to think of it this way. If you trust your spouse this morning, if you're married, and hopefully you do, why do you trust your spouse? Well, you trust them because you know them personally and you know them intimately. They are faithful to you. They are always on your side, and they always support you. You know their character, not just what they say it is. But there's something that we, we miss when we think about this issue of trust. It's that knowing those things about your spouse, they're not automatic. It takes time to build trust. It's not automatic. It, 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 it takes Moment by moment, day after day, it takes that process of studying and getting to know your spouse. So one of the things that is clear to us in Genesis is that God created mankind to be in a relationship with him. An intimate relationship that is a day-by-day -day relationship. And this God desires that relationship with you and with me. That he wants us to know him. And he, and, he, and he made a way for us to do so through the gospel and through his word and through his spirit that lives inside of us. He doesn't keep his distance from us. 
And if you're here today and you're saved, you've been born again, His Spirit is living inside of you. You are never alone, even in tough times, even when you're processing the emotion of distrust. He loves you, and He is pursuing you. You can trust God, but it will require your heart. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. One thing we know about our hearts is they are prone to wander. They are tainted by our sin nature, which is why we need God to give us a new heart. Which is why we need God to change our thinking and how we process it. And when we are saved, he changes our hearts. And we are his, and we can trust him. And as we talked about in our sermon on fear, we have to stay committed to him. That he can take care of you, and we must rely on that truth. But the writer of Proverbs here reminds us that it will require all of your heart. Not just a little bit here and there. Not just when it's convenient, but every single part of it, every single minute of the day. If there are parts of yourselves that you are holding back, then you're not trusting him with all of your heart. And all of your heart is the secret sauce. So, is your heart fully his today? Or are you holding some of it back? Is your heart fully his or are you holding some of it back? We have to be committed to him completely. And as we've already talked about several times in this series, is we have to let go of control. Verse 5 continues, And do not lean on your own understanding. Now this news could possibly come as a shock to you, but we are not as smart as we think we are. Our perspective is very limited because we can't see everything we don't have every single detail but our god can see it all and he does know every detail he knew what adam and eve didn't know about the tree in the garden and we like to think that we can figure it all out on our own i like to think i can figure it out all on my own ask my wife we will far too often find ourselves in a world of hurt though when we lean on our own understanding. Proverbs 28, 26 says, Those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. In Proverbs 13, he says, Whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself, but he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. Our God is all-knowing, and he knows what is best for you, and he knows what is best for me. And the only way we gain understanding is from his word. You know that. So make sure that you have consistent time in his word. Pray faithfully. Find faithful people to live in community with. Our adult and home small groups are a great place to start. Serve. Do something for someone else. And when we do these things, it helps us see how much bigger God is than what is happening to us. Solomon continues, in all your ways acknowledge him he doesn't say that we we should acknowledge him once once we can't figure it out on our own he doesn't say hey make your list and when you have some question marks then acknowledge him he says in all of our ways that no detail of your life or my life should be void 
of him. God doesn't think that any part of our life is insignificant. He's involved and he wants to be involved. And I love that verse 6 concludes with that promise. He will make our paths straight when we do those things. And this is such good news. That we don't have to control everything. That he will make our path straight. Our only job is to trust him and he will do his work. But sometimes trust will require a word we don't like. And that's the word waiting. So pray, ask, read, but wait until he leads. Allow God to do what he can do best. Don't try to take control. Trust him with all of your heart. And verse 7 sums it all up. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. At the end of it all, we're lovingly admonished. Don't be wise in your own eyes. It's like God is reminding us that that we can't see the full picture or something. It's like he's telling us that there's, there's more going on than you can actually see. That your eyes are going to let you down. They don't know the full story. Instead, keep them focused on me. Trust in me with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways acknowledge him and I will make your paths straight. That's the reminder. And Hebrews reminds us. To look to Jesus, who is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. As humans, we tend to look at what we can see with our own eyes. And when we look at the world through our eyes only, it's easy to become cynical and bitter and jaded. It's easy to see only the bad. But Jesus can help us see something different, something wonderful. And so trust him with all of your heart. And here's something that we can all leave here with today. That we can't allow the things going on in our lives to shape the relationship that we have with God. I've had to preach that to myself over and over again. In hard times, just like you, I've been tempted to doubt that God cares for me. And I'm going to say all the things here in just a moment that you wish you could say. God, that if you, if you really cared about me, why would you ever allow that to happen to me and my family? That God, if you really cared about me, why didn't you protect me from those who wanted to harm me? Or from those who were supposed to support me, but didn't. God, if you cared about my kids, why did they ever have to go through such an experience and see your people behave the way they behave? And it's in those moments that we have to process where, we, where our trust remains. You see, when we fully trust God, we can have a peaceful heart. And this heart thing is where we have to focus. That ultimately, we all have to accept the fact that God allows things into our lives, the things that he knows that he can use for good. And sometimes those things are painful. And our limited human vantage point makes it hard to see how a loving God could allow those things to take place. 
It doesn't mean he caused it, but he may choose to allow it. And Romans 8, 28 is somewhere we could spend days studying and processing. We could spend a lot of time. But it's what I've had to cling to for a long time, every single day. I've had to quote that verse to myself. If we hold to a higher truth that even the gravest sin, abuse, and pain, and devastation against us could be allowed to occur, but then as only God could possibly do, that pain could be turned on its head and redeemed and used for a kingdom purpose, we will be in the right position to trust God with that pain. Like pain or fear and anxiety, this doesn't mean that we'll never struggle with trusting God. Or even trusting others with our life or in our life. But when this creeps up, we, we remember truth. We run to his word and we keep our whole heart trusting in God. And I'm sure, I sure wish that it was, that it was as easy as asking every person that I talk to the simple question of, can I trust you? I'm sure you've wanted to ask that question before. Can I trust you? I wish they had name tags. Some kind of label that let me know that they were going to be genuine, that I could count on them. Wouldn't that make life so much easier? We'd never have to wonder. But I also want to affirm that it's okay to protect yourself. Paul writes in Romans 16 that it's okay to do this. It's okay to protect your family, to set boundaries, to remove people from your life who have harmed you and your family. Please don't hear this morning that trusting God or trusting others means that you have to be a doormat or that it's sinful to have limitations on what access people have to you. Not everyone is safe and not everyone will be safe. I'm not going to lie and say that it's not hard to regularly see people who caused my family so much hurt and pretend like they haven't. And when my kids ask me hard questions, things like, who is it safe to share things with dad? When am I, am I able to be open with anyone and everyone? And are people like that in every church? You see, I fight anxiety every single day that I won't be able to protect my kids from what I never wanted them to see. That they will have hard feelings toward ministry because of what they have actually seen. You see, we all have people in our lives that never fix things. They never ask for forgiveness. And they want to pretend like it never happened. And that's the worst. And I'm with you that it's incredibly hard to heal and move on in those situations. But something that I've learned through the hurt in my life, and I'm sure many of you would agree, is this. I can be unsure of whether or not I can trust people. I can continue to love and not be jaded and cynical. I can keep caring about people in my life, whether they may hurt me someday or not. And the same is true for you. We can all do this. I can do this by asking God to keep my heart soft. Our true trust isn't really supposed to be in others anyway. And if you've been hurt or you've experienced tragedy, you can have peace when your trust is in God. When I fully trust the God who holds me in his hand, I trust that he will protect my family and my church 
and my own heart from hurt and harm if he sees fit to do so. And anything else that passes through that filter, I can trust that his character is good and he allowed it. And so he will get me through it. There's a song, I can't remember what it's called, but I love it. And it's just on my iTunes playlist and I listen to it all the time. But these lyrics, they mean so much to me. It says, you redeem everything. At the end of the day, I want them to say that my heart looks like your heart. That when the world looks at me, I want them to see that my heart looks like your heart. That song was written from the perspective of King David. As he processes all of the emotions, read the Psalms. He was just like you. I'm glad he was. It gives us something to read and know how to process. And while I navigate the difficulty of trying to make sure that my heart stays in the right place, I have to stay in God's word and get direction from it and from it alone. But I'm still working through my own human emotions and trying to do a good job and sometimes winning and sometimes losing. And I don't know if you know this, but I'm a pastor and all of our pastors have emotions too. We're trying to love people and care for our body. We're still trying to remind ourselves of these, these truths in Scripture and, and, and staying soft and keeping our trust in God. We're wading through public and private misinterpretation and misinformation, and that's difficult for us, just like it is for you. And we have to remind ourselves of who God has called us to be and what we're supposed to do, and we have to trust Him too. We have to ask ourselves the same question that I'm getting ready to ask you, and it's a simple one, and it's, it's this. I guess it's not that. It's that. Are you trusting the Lord with everything? I know it's not that deep. But how do you answer that question? Are you trusting the Lord with everything? Every single detail. And most of us know that we have trust issues. We might not trust him completely with everything. There are certain things that we just are not letting go of. And let's be honest with God about that. And let's keep working on it. Let's keep running to the truth in his word. Let's keep remembering who he is and what he has done. Because when we fully trust God, we can have a peaceful heart. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment as we, as we finish our time together. And I want to give you a moment just in the quiet of the room to process that question of are you trusting the Lord with everything? If you do inventory of your own heart right now, it's possible that the Spirit of God is revealing some things to you that you don't trust Him with. Maybe it's your health, maybe it's your job, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's something from your past. Maybe it's a circumstance, maybe it's something that has happened to you. Do you trust Him with it? And are you committed to the word 
So when you have those moments of distrust, whether it be in a friend, a parent, a spouse, a pastor, or even God, that you know where you can go to be reminded that he is trustworthy and that he is good. So are you trusting the Lord with everything? And then maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You have not trusted in him to save you. We don't want you to leave here today without having a conversation with someone about the gospel, about who Jesus is and what he did for mankind. So find me, find a friend, find a pastor at the end of the service and ask us to explain what it means to trust in Jesus as your Savior. And this week, I want to challenge you to fully trust him. If you want to have peace, it's going to require trust. And so are you trusting him with everything? Heavenly Father, we're grateful for Jesus today. We're thankful that in a world that is swirling out of control often, that you are in control and that we can trust you with the details of our own individual life. We can trust you with our family. We can trust you with our jobs. We can trust you with it all. But are we? So God, I pray that you would use your word and your spirit to speak into the hearts of your people, that we would be a people who trust you with everything, because you can be trusted. You have proven yourself faithful over and over and over again. And we're so thankful for it. Help us to be reminded of it and help us to live for you. We're thankful for Jesus and it's in his name we pray. Amen.